For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I used to think time was my enemy My future wasn't looking good So worried about the things I couldn't see I couldn't see the things I could I was aging fearfully Worrying my life away When all along I should have been Thankful for every day Finally made a friend of time Now you could say that I'm Aging gratefully Broadcasting from the rolling hills of the beautiful Tennessee Valley from the foothills of the Great Smoky Mountains. Across this amazing nation and spanning the universe you're listening to, Aging Gratefully, I'm your host, gerontologist Holly Kelly, bringing you exceptional guests and novel information to ensure you age great, live full, and embrace each extraordinary day for the incredible gift it is. We broadcast on all your favorite players brought to you all over the world. Greetings, aging rebels far and wide. Thank you for tuning in, and I'm delighted to welcome you to another Power Hour of Enlight You Meant. So happy you're joining the show today, and so much so, it makes me smile. Won't you join me? And together, we can kick off our global Grinfest signature pose, Smiles Across the Miles, our self-care that is shareable. Now, that's how we start the hour around here. So awesome. Did you know that if you aren't happy but force yourself to smile, you can trick yourself into a fake happy state through the neurological impact generated from simply smiling? It's truly unbelievable how we can fake it till we make it. Have you ever done that in life before? When you felt like it served you better to conceal something to avert the potential impact of the situation? Back to that smile. Sometimes we may not feel happy at all. We may be down in the dumps, but if we're walking along and a stranger smiles at us, we don't look back at them with a calloused grimace on our face. We smile back at them. We fake it. And somehow that smile, that fake smile, transported us to a place, a state, in fact, a little better state of mind. We do this in other ways, too, like when we choose not to face something. So we we put on a different face, a face of, I've got this, all's good. 
I'm fine, as to cleverly throw others off the scent of our despair. We move through it silently until we get to the other side. We don't need to hire a skywriter to share our truth with the world. Not just yet. Many people would call this evasive tactic strength, grit, coping. But many things we sweep under life's Persian rug of oblivion eventually work their way out from underneath that rug. And the day comes when we have to say, as they say, when we have to face the music. That quiet, deafening music that had been on our personal playlist for quite some time. Sometimes we feel the need to belong or fit in. And because of this, we endure unobtrusively in a variety of ways to achieve this. However, as Malir reminds in this aging gratefully alphabet soup for the psyche, quote, the greater the obstacle, the more glory in overcoming it. Several decades ago, my secretary booked appointments for me and they were always back to back, taking one client after another. In the front of my office, I had a lovely lobby with ample seating that was warm and inviting to patrons. I put in a ramp to my doorway to safely welcome handicapable individuals. And by the way, I feel anyone who faces challenges handicapable, not handicapped. I use handicapable instead of handicapped as capped by definition means place a limit or restriction on when in fact there seems to be no limit on the handiness of those who rise in the face of challenge. They are heroes and rock stars. They are handy as in skillful per the definition. And they are capable as in having the ability, fitness, or quality necessary to do or achieve a specified thing and able to achieve efficiently whatever one has to do, making them competently capable. And they are unbelievably adaptable, as in able to adjust to new conditions or towards new purposes. And we'll make the word, the made-up word, handicapable, this week's Aging Gratefully show dedication. But back to my office. So one day, a lovely couple, probably in their 70s, came in and sat on my couch. They struggled to rise from it. And the gentleman said to me, for serving seniors, you need to think about getting some couches that aren't so low and soft seated. I apologized profusely and took them back to my office that had, thankfully, much higher and harder chairs, making it easy to sit and rise. As you can probably guess, I wasn't yet a gerontologist, just one in the making. After helping them, I walked over to those couches and sat in them. He was right. They were far from universally adaptive, and I felt terrible about my naive choice in furniture and replace it all. However, I also thought about how many people came through my lobby, and I thought how many people faced the challenges to sit and rise, and yet none spoke up until this day when I was made aware of my oversight. Was it a desire to fit in? Was it politeness? I wondered how many people obliged through the years until that day when someone spoke up, making me cognizant. Sometimes the best way to fit in is to speak up. I never forgot that gentleman who did and honor the lesson learned then because of it. As a gerontologist, I now have insight and automatically scan a room for such things because these are important things to know. I shouldn't have had those kind of couches to serve the public any more than I should Oh, I don't know. Ask a blind guy for directions. Hmm. More on that. 
from traveling the world and hiking mountains to finding love and raising a family. The author of Don't Ask a Blind Guy for Directions, a 30,000 mile journey for love, confidence, and a sense of belonging, John Samuel says a more accessible world is possible when we see the amazing opportunities in our differences. As Abler CEO and co-founder, he's just the right guy for the job. After a diagnosis of a degenerative eye disease, John Samuel's life and his chance at success started to vanish. In a world systematically unequipped for accessibility, disability inclusion is often left out of conversations about diversity. But he is here today with us to share his inspirational journey against his inevitable blindness as he searched for acceptance. A powerful story for both professionals with disabilities, I say handy capabilities, and individuals working to create an inclusive culture at any organization. His memoir will empower you to accept yourself and others, break down barriers, and rebuild a world where everyone belongs. One of Triangle Business's journal, Business Journal's Leaders in Diversity and a 40 Under 40 Award recipient, John was also selected to the Business Journal's Influencers, Rising Stars, a national list of 100 young influential business leaders. He serves on the board of directors at Aravind Eye Foundation, the world's largest eye care provider, and the United Arts Council of Raleigh and Wake County. He has been featured in Forbes, WRAL TechWire, Sales Techstar, and a variety of podcasts as well as featured on a TED Talk. And today he's featuring on the Aging Gratefully Show. So excited about that. I invite you to visit him and learn more about his journey and amazing work at www.johngsamuel.com. It is with great, great pleasure. So excited to welcome you, John, to the Aging Gratefully Show. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Holly. I'm so excited to be here today. Oh, my goodness. So excited to have you. I mean, your book, first of all, I love the book. And the title has everyone wanting to read this book. Don't ask a blind guy for directions, a 30,000 mile uh, journey for love, confidence, and a sense of belonging. Well done. Thank you so much. You know, I, it, it just excited me to be here because listening to your monologue just kind of brought back all those memories of the book itself. So it's it's super exciting to to talk to you about it. Oh, well, I'm so glad that you are able to spend this time with us. And so how did you come up with this title? I love that you, um, you know, have just woven in so much humor into this. But um, how'd you do that? Yeah, when I started working on the title, I started thinking about words that tied in seeing clearly and you know tying into the blindness i wanted people to know what it was about and after just you know going through all this like iterations of a title i finally just blurted out don't ask the blind guy for directions <laughs> and, and it was almost like oh wow that actually works and yes. kind of was the direction it went and uh i think it ties into kind of the i think the humor behind you know what I had to learn of having a disability and and really finding you know finding humor in myself, and I think that does in well. You know, I feel like you really almost destigmatize things from the get go with your title because, as you talk about in your book, there's a lot of uncomfortableness, and you've kind of ripped the band aid off, and you have made this very open 
and a easy conversation to have as well as, you know, it's so important. Um, but I just really appreciate how you kind of started with the get-go with that title. Yeah, you're so true. I mean, even when I do my speaking engagements, I try to start off with a little bit of humor because we have to break down. We need to make it, we need to make it humanize this whole thing, right? We're, we're talking two people talking to each other, like you and me right now, Holly. Like it's two of us talking. It's having a human to human connection. And the disability that I have is just kind of, it's just part of who I am, but it's not everything about me. And you yes. know, a lot of people have that fear of saying the wrong thing. So let's get rid of that. Let's take that fear out and let's just focus on you and me talking. Yes, I so love that. And I uh, loved your TEDx talk. Oh my <laughs> goodness, you, you slayed it. That was awesome. Uh, and I'm going to invite listeners to check that out. So what a journey. And you made it by marking miles, culminating your 30,000 miles of revelation, so to speak. Um, so I, I'm wondering how you decided to use mile markers. Yes, when I started thinking about my journey, you know, I started off in uh, a town, a suburb of Raleigh, North Carolina called Cary, North Carolina, where I'm born and raised. So as I started losing my sight, I didn't think anyone blind could ever live in North Carolina. And that drove me to leave my home state. And I moved out to, to Bangalore, India, and then New York City, then Africa, and then back to Washington, D.C., and found my way back home. And and I realized that every couple of years, there were these these miles I was going, I was putting on my uh, on my passport, on my on my shoes and and all of that. And I realized that it was a good way to kind of, you know, kind of really kind of, to imply what what my journey was. It was just really going around the world looking for love, confidence and a sense of belonging. And and, you know, I found it right where I started. And uh, again, kind of goes back to the title. Don't ask the blind guy for directions because everything I was looking for is right here in my backyard. But uh, I just couldn't see it. Yes. So awesome. And what a journey it has been for you. And I want to kind of revert, revert back as I was reading in the book, what it was like being young and you knew something was going on and yet the issues could not be found. Uh, they continually were not identified and you continue to bear through uh, dealing with what was happening with your site and it created so many challenges for you. I mean, I was just like, my heart was so in this read um, <laughs> that um, because it's almost the not knowing that is so challenging too. And yeah. you could never be validated early on as to what was going on. And so it just felt, I'm sure it felt dismissed to you. Yeah. I mean, it felt very, there's this alone aspect to it also because, and again, dismissive because I didn't know. I never met anyone who was blind. I didn't hear, I never met anyone else who had a disability in my life or had identified with one. And so as I was losing my sight, my whole perception of what blindness was, was somebody who just couldn't see. And my assumption was that's how they were born. Or, you know, and, and people who had some visual impairment, it was always fixed by glasses. Mm -hmm. And so when my, you know, sight wasn't able to be corrected with corrective lenses, I just didn't know what was going on. And when you go to the local, you know, optometrist to get your glasses, they couldn't understand what was going on with my eyes. And they just kind of said, you know, you're not taking this serious because I just wasn't consistent. And and I thought maybe that's just what everyone's seeing. And I'm just, something's just wrong with me. And I put that, I put the onus of me being 
something's wrong with me, uh, not that something was wrong with my eyes. And uh, and that kind of goes back to that dismissive attitude you're talking about, because I, I just thought maybe I'm just not getting things in class. Maybe that's I'm not understanding what's on the blackboard. Not that I couldn't see it. I'm just not getting the information or maybe I'm just not a great athlete because I'm not able to, you know, hit that baseball or catch that basketball. You know, so I kind of just put it back to me saying I'm just not that good. Um, and some time, you know, in my opening monologue, I talked about the gentleman who spoke up about my couches. And yeah. then I went and tried them and I was like, these are really low. I even tried <laughs> to get up not using my hands. I tried multiple things, you know, to try to imitate what people might be going through. And I, I've thought about so many people that had sat in those couches when yeah. there were more people in my lobby to not pick the hard surface chairs that were available. And when I had multiple people and I know what happened because you have also enlightened me and through my studies as a gerontologist, I certainly understand this as well, but every one of them that struggled to get off that couch and didn't say anything was doing the same thing you did. They were saying, it's not the couch. What's wrong with me? I'm yeah. weak. I can't get up. Uh, it, it had, they, they internalized it. Yep. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's so true, right? And I see it. I see it a lot with people, right? And mm -hmm. we think about the, you know, again, it goes back to that wanting to belong. We don't think it's, you know, you have this couch. You, you have a lot of people sitting on this couch. It must be good. And same mm -hmm. thing with me. My classmates are all getting the content. My, you know, my friends are all doing well in sports. And uh, again, it goes back to, and even driving, you know, there's so many people out there driving and maybe I'm just a bad driver. And you're right. I just internalized it. And, uh, and you, you, when you start to internalize it, you carry a lot on your shoulders. And, and that weight was, became quite heavy over time. Yes. Um, so I just appreciated so much about that because I was able to think of uh, things in my life and how important this conversation is for everyone to hear. And I'm just so proud of you for making um, this work available to the world and what you've done. So um, you just, you're a rock star. Um, what was it like when you finally realized you had an official diagnosis? So, yay, you have answers, but they, they were feeling grim at the time. Your sight was dwindling. It was going to continue to do so. Um, I'm imagining that you experienced grief for yeah. the reality you were facing. What was that like? Because a lot of people listening will have a change in what was once their normal. Yeah. And I, I was 18, 19 years old at the time. So again, I was only learning what my normal was. I, yes, I, future was out there. I said, you know, I thought I was going to go and become this executive, like my dad, be driving fancy cars. That, yeah, that was my future. I thought I was going to be making money, being able to go out to dinners and, you know, do all these fancy things that I always dreamed about. And when I was diagnosed, the first things went through my mind were, First was, what girl wants to be with a guy who can't see? And then I was like, what kind of job can I have if I'm blind? And then I was like, where can I live if I can't drive? And these things just constantly consume me. And that, that future that I saw was now gone. And I didn't know what to do. And I um, tried to hide from that. And, uh, and I, I picked up some bad habits and started drinking because that would allow me to hide from what I was going through, my reality. And I could 
hide behind alcohol. And, and then when I bumped into someone, blame it on the alcohol, not on my sight. And that made it easier to explain than saying, oh, I have some vision impairment or I'm losing my sight. Because a lot of people just couldn't understand that. I'm an 18, 19 year old kid. You're not expecting someone that young to be losing their sight. And, uh, you know, it's easier to say that I had a few drinks. Yes. Um, sweep it under life's Persian rug of oblivion and not let anybody know. Um, I know that you felt as if your future that you envisioned was evaporating before your very eyes. Um, and it's literally your eyes. Um, your vision um, became worse. And yet you still had dreams. You still had goals and ambition. Uh, and so it it must have felt like, how do I make sense of this? Because the things I want have remained the same, and yet my sight isn't. Yeah. You know, because like, I think one of the real things that kind of helped me with that was my friends. You know, I saw mm. my friends with their life. And at the, it, was, it could have been easy for me to say, like, my dreams are over. But when I started seeing my friends move on with their life and doing, continuing on their dreams, and and part of them were like, hey, man, you can still have your dreams. You just have to go do it. Mm-hmm. And it kind of gave me that motivation to be like, okay, my dreams aren't over. They may change a bit. And they may not be where I thought they were going to be. But I had to just kind of change that mindset and say, I still have some sight. Because they told me I was going to lose my sight in a year or two. And it had been three, four years, four, five years at this point afterwards. And I still mm-hmm. had some. And I said, well, my time's not over yet. And I better get moving if I want to accomplish um, at least part of my goals. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the drivers. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm sure it felt like sand sifting through an hourglass, like you were racing the clock. Really? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, it really was. I don't know if you've yeah. seen the movie Future, and uh, in the movie, Marty McFly, one of the main characters, he goes back in time and he has to get back to his time before this picture, like uh, he has a picture of his brother and sister and they're disappearing. Yes. And he has to he has to get home before they disappear. And in many cases, I felt like I had to accomplish as much as I could before my picture of life disappeared. Yes, I imagine that's such a good comparison. And I'm wondering what advice do you have to embrace if someone's listening um, that is experiencing something similar, um, your handy capability. I mean, this is this is your forte. You've been there, <laughs> done that as an advantage for achieving their dreams. Many may feel overlooked, underserved and undervalued, which isn't the case, but they may feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the first things we have to realize is that we're not alone. Like, so often you think you're just alone. I'm the only one going through this challenge. And I think that that's how I lived my life for so long, was that I'm the only one going through this. No one else can understand it. But as I went through my life and kind of my journey, I realized that a lot more people, even though they may not be going through vision loss, they may be going through some other challenge, but we can empathize with one another. And when you're able to do that, you realize that you're not alone and that you know, by opening up and sharing what's going on, it's, you know, it's, it's liberating. And once it feels, once you get that liberation, you can really then kind of see, uh, see your goal, you know, despite what else is going around and what's kind of clouding your vision, you'll be able to see that clearly once you're able to 
uh, talk openly and uh, and realize that, you know, there's other people who are there to help you and who love you. And I think that was one of the major things, at least that I found in my own experience. And, and what I try to share with others is that, you know, things may look bleak right now, but, you know, once you start to truly believe that your your future isn't isn't written yet, you're still writing it, that kind of changes the game. Yeah, so much so. And I want to continue this conversation on the other side of break. And uh, you are CEO of Ablier? Abler. Abler. Um, yep. Abler. Okay. And I want you to kind of share this company uh, with listeners as well. But I also want to talk about the value that somebody handy capable can bring to organizations and uh, how that is something that I really want to get that message out there. If you're willing to uh, continue the dialogue on the other side of break. I'd love it. Wonderful. Don't go anywhere because this fantastic conversation will continue today. We're grateful to be with John G. Samuel talking all things thriving in spite, in spite of blank. Uh, and you can fill in the blank aging rebels and his new book. Don't ask a blind guy for directions. You can learn more about him by visiting him at www.johngsamuel.com. That's S A M U E L. By the way, I know you out there love our show's theme song for new listeners. That's Jim Beloff's aging gratefully, and you can find it on iTunes or Amazon music and it's hidden in his album dreams. I left in pockets. The entire album is amazing. Of course, I always love that one song the most aging gratefully, but I invite you to get the entire album show Jim some aging gratefully love and visit him at www.fleamarketmusic.com for books, ukuleles. He's just a world-renowned, talented musician. We so appreciate him. And you know what else we appreciate? You out there. Special thanks to you awesome aging rebels tuning in all over the world from so many fantastic places around the globe. I just get so excited to see where we are charting on Apple Podcasts. And I think the latest one I saw was Canada. We love you, Canada. And um, we just appreciate all the different places uh, that um, take in our show, our eclectic messages that you find meaning in. So happy that you do. Thank you for making us a top show on aging worldwide. It is you and our incredible guests that make that possible. And it's time for me to share my truth, and that is that you rock and you role model. And I'm truly grateful for each of you. I'm your host, gerontologist Holly Kelly, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Matt Moline. I was a recent guest on the Aging Gratefully podcast with Holly Kelly. Holly's an exceptional host, and she led us through a really dynamic conversation. We went into great depth and her compassionate style made for a really fun and informative discussion. Our episode is going to help everyone feel just a little bit better prepared for the challenges and emotions that become front and center during the empty nest transition. And make sure that you stay tuned to learn about Holly and I's mutual love for Taco Bell. So please take, take some time and listen to this and all of Holly's great content on aging gratefully. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at Chabacasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Sunrises and sunsets. Final Affairs Forged with Flair, Finesse, and Functionality is a delightful book for every adult of any age and any stage. This multi-award winning book written by gerontologist Holly Kelly is a soul-soothing journey and novel approach to completing your personal affairs and advanced care planning. Readers are calling it transformative, life-changing, and fun. Prepare lovingly, plan thoughtfully, live dynamically. Available on Amazon and most bookstores. Author autographed copies are available at sunrisesandsunsetsbook.com where you can subscribe, register for a workshop, and more. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, I'm Ginger Reagans, a gerontologist and certified aging and place specialist from Lawrenceville, Georgia. And I love listening to the Aging Gratefully show every Friday with gerontologist Holly Kelly. Thank you so much, best listeners and guests on the entire universe. Uh, welcome back to Aging Gratefully. I'm your host, gerontologist Holly Kelly, here today with our guest, John G. Samuel, who promotes breaking down barriers and rebuilding a world where everyone belongs. How awesome is that? I know you, my awesome Aging Rebels, are all about this conversation. So happy that he's with us today. And before we resume our conversation, I want to give this week's Aging Gratefully listener appreciation shout out to an Apple user who gave us five stars and wrote, amazing show. Thank you. Kelly's interviews are always so thoughtful and well-researched. I love to listen to every new episode that comes out. Well, thank you for that review. We so appreciate it. And if you are listening and you enjoy the content that we're putting out and the guests that we're sharing, please go to your favorite podcast platform and leave us a show review. We'll find it and we'll read it on a future episode. And I particularly appreciate it when listeners spotlight a guest uh, and tell us about a show that really resonated with you and held meaning. Uh, we so appreciate that and so do our guests. So, you know what else we appreciate is today's guest so much. Um, I know you're enjoying this, He's awesome, and I want you to visit him at www.johngsamuel.com, where you can learn more about his life-enhancing work in so many areas, uh, including activating disability inclusion, his book, and that is Don't Ask a Blind Guy for Directions, his blog, and speaking. Uh, he will come speak to your group. And I would say this is like an amazing topic that someone could have uh, for him to come speak. 
and he's a talented speaker too, by the way, um, because he gave an amazing TEDx talk. And I invite everyone to look that up and check it out all on his website, johngsamuel.com. So you are CEO of Abler, and um, this is a disability inclusion and accessibility business. Tell us about your company. And obviously, I know it holds special um, meaning for you and your journey, but uh, what kind of incited you to create this company? Yeah, I think it kind of goes back a little bit in my story because when I was uh, around 2017, I had just lost my job and I had been working in the private equity space and and I had lost my job and I, my wife and I had just gotten married a few years earlier. We just had a baby and we had just built this house. And, and at that point, the stress of all this stuff without a job caused my sight to go fast. And I thought my career was over. And, you know, I literally thought I had no more career because I couldn't see the computer screen. And, and so when that happened, I, I, I felt lost. And that's when I heard about this software that was developed at a company called SAS that is a data science company. And they designed this software to help people who are blind and low vision visualize graphs and charts using sounds. And the coolest thing about it was it was designed by a guy named Ed Summers who had the same eye condition as me. And, and, and up until that point, I had never met another person who had the same eye condition as me. And the kicker was he lived in my hometown of Cary, North Carolina. Oh my like, goodness. I was wow. Like, this is the guy I've got to meet. And I tried well, for, for sure. <laughs> I was like, because your condition is rare. It is. It's one in 10,000. And here is this one other person in my hometown. I, again, like I said, I had gone 17 years after being diagnosed without ever meeting anyone blind. And here, a person has my exact eye condition. This is my hometown. And I tried for months, no luck to get in touch with this guy, Ed. And then my wife said, you know, if he can live in North Carolina, maybe we can too. And so we found this house online and we told my folks and they got so excited because they never thought it was going <laughs> home. And dad immediately jumped in the car to go look at this house. And as he's driving, he's talking to us on the phone. And all of a sudden he started yelling at something. And I was like, what are you doing, dad? He's like, oh, there's a fun guy in the road. Maybe it's the guy you're trying to get in touch with. <laughs> Please don't yell at people who are blind. Don't yell oh, at anybody. And he's like, all right, good walks there this poor guy and says are you ed summers and the guy says yes i am and my dad uh puts the phone in the poor guy's ear and after apologizing to him he agreed to meet me and i came down that next weekend and ed introduced me to the world of accessibility and, and he showed me that my career wasn't over and he eventually introduced me to the president of an organization called lci which happens to be the largest employer of people who are blind and it was located just seven miles from where i grew up in North this Carolina. It's like unbelievable. <laughs> right? And so that yeah. that meeting that company of this, again, I never thought anyone blind could ever live in North Carolina. And now I find out that the largest employer of people who are blind are there. And mm. when I was president of the organization, he talked, they were a manufacturing company. And he talked about wanting to create new technology-based jobs for people who are blind and create upper mobility. And there were so many new jobs in tech. And that's what he wanted to create. And so I ended up coming down and starting that company for the organization. And that's what became Abler. So kind of going back to your question of like, what drove me was that I knew the struggles and pain of thinking that my career was over because I couldn't see. Mm -hmm. But now if I can break down those barriers, just like Ed Summers, who had created that software using sound to help people visualize graphs and charts. 
if I could help remove the barriers, the systemic barriers that are hindering people from pursuing jobs in tech, you know, that's what I wanted to do. And Abler really is kind of that culmination of like breaking down barriers for others. And it's a way for me to pay it forward um, for all those people who helped me get to where I am today. So awesome. And uh, this Ed Summers, you know, they, <laughs> they say that your vibe is your tribe. And yes. he really was helpful in helping you further navigate in the direction that was so much of a door opener for you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was. He, he opened the door for me. He showed me that I wasn't alone. And that was what I needed. Going back to like our earlier discussion of like what I needed was I needed to know that it wasn't just me. And here was somebody who was, you know, opening a door for me and showing me that, you know, my journey isn't over. And uh, he had a successful career. He's now, you know, doing more great things. And uh, and that was one of the that's what I needed. And it was like the right place, right time. And I'm so thankful that uh, uh, that my my path crossed with him. Yes, and and so awesome that you've got to be close to your family again um, through realizing all that was possible for you. Exactly. Yeah. You know, Cary, North Carolina is often ranked in the top 10 places in the U.S. to live. And so, you know, if everyone who wants to live there, I mean, this place is it's growing so fast. Everyone wants to live here. Why can't I, you know, live there, too? And uh, mm-hmm. that's the coolest thing to be able to come back home. And now I'm raising my kids in the same place I did. And, you know, and I actually just bought my childhood home and that's probably the coolest thing to raise my kids. Uh, <laughs> that is really cool. <laughs> yes. Uh, so much fun stuff going on here. So I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about the importance of assistive, assistive tech. Um, I don't want to abbreviate assistive technology um, for those listening, because in the work that I do, it's so important as someone ages and they maybe get a diagnosis for, uh, let's just say like arthritis and your hands don't work like they once did. There's so many assistive um, tech little gadgets and things like that, that literally can make jar opening easy. The things that many times we might even take for granted, um, one day can present themselves as a challenge in our lives as you know so well. Um, But let's talk about the importance of assistive tech allowing someone to live fully regardless of what's going on in their life. Yeah. So with myself, the type of assistive technology I started using as my uh, my site was diminishing, I was using magnification software, which zoomed in on text and images on the computer screen. And I also found that using inverted colors, so using white text and a black background, made it easier for me to, to read. And it was like, because the white harsh you know, screen was really, you know, it was harsh on my eyes. It was tough in my eyes to look at. And so those were just a couple of different types of assistive technology. But once my site got to a point where I could no longer read the computer screen, I had to switch to a type of assistive technology called a screen reader where I'm using voice, uh, text to voice. So whatever the text is on a screen, it was reading to me. And I had to learn how to stop using my eyes, which I'd been raised and born and raised to learn how to use to, to, to read content, now to really rely on my, my ears to get that same type of feedback. 
And so that's just an example of assistive technology. But I think that a lot of people, like you mentioned, you know, some of these different tools, like these gripping tools, they were meant for people with arthritis. But how many people are using this on a daily basis? So many people. You know, we think about Siri on our phone. How many people use Siri to send a text message or to open up or search Google? That was designed for people who couldn't use, you know, type in. And now so many people use it. Think about the Alexa devices at our homes. Again, these were designed with kind of an assistive technology for one group of people, but now it benefits all people. And I think that's the coolest thing about assistive technology is that it often is the case that it's necessary for a few, but benefits all. Yes, and great examples there, by the way, too. Um, so let's talk about somebody handicapped and an organization has a position to fill. And they may not realize how valuable this individual may be to the organization. Can you speak to that? Yeah. I mean, when you think about having a diverse workforce, that includes people with varying backgrounds, whether it be from a from race, gender, uh, age, or veteran status, or credibility. And I think that when you have people with different types of backgrounds, how did that group think? And you start to have innovative you know, solutions. And I often say that people with disabilities are, the, are naturally born problem solvers because we have to figure out different solutions to getting from a point A to point B because people who are able-bodied, they, they see one way or they do it this way. People with disabilities, we have to figure out different ways to do the same thing. And when you have that type of mentality, it can add innovation to a company. And, you know, I think every company wants to innovate. If you want to survive, you got to innovate. you got to be changing. And by having people with varying abilities uh, at the table and providing that feedback, it really is a, a great asset. And, and that, that translates into higher returns for companies and uh, more loyalty. And those are things that companies are always looking for. I so agree. And, you know, I remember the whole thing that was going on a while back with it was an OK Boomer movement mm -hmm. where it was big on social media and younger generations were, um, you know, saying OK Boomer, like, you know, just kind of writing off the older generation and their, you know, thoughts or ideals. And the older generation was fighting back against the younger generation. And I do a lot of appearances on radio shows, and I remember being asked, what do you think, you know, of this big divide and the whole OK Boomer thing? And I was like, what I would like to see is not the divide and not the war of who's better at what, yeah. but bring young millennials together with older people and have everyone share their gifted ideas and novel approaches and create something brand new together. Yep. Wouldn't that be great? And that's kind of what you're talking about because once we work together, it's a birth to something entirely new. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because if we just have one group of people working on it, you're going to get one type of product. When you bring multi-generational or, you know, bring those different types of people together, you're going to get something amazing out of it. That's not just going to serve one group of people, but it's going to benefit all people. And I think it goes back to that. The more diversity we can bring to the table, the more universally designed products we can create. 
Yes, I so, so agree. Uh, and a lot of it is naivety. So, you know, it's just people, me and my couches, not being aware until <laughs> this amazing person speaks up and tells me, and they might have thought they were being rude. I welcomed it because I'm thinking that I have this great lobby and, you know, here I am falling short unknowingly. And so how can we elevate this important conversation and make it where everybody knows they have low couches. Um, you know what I mean? What yeah. can we do? I mean, there's a couple of things that we can do. You know, at least in our organization, we're seeing it in three different ways. One, we're, we're talking about accessibility, eliminating that divide and openly educating people, right? We need to change the mindsets of people. That's the second thing we're doing. And so we're educating people about accessibility, about disability inclusion. And, you know, once we're able to, you know, break down the stigma, we started off our conversation, breaking down the stigma, what it is about disability, breaking down the fear of saying the wrong thing and being able to open up, have an open dialogue and just humanizing what it means to have a disability. That's where we're hoping that we can get more of that open conversations. And we're seeing that right now. And so I often talk about, you know, the other aspect of this is proximity builds empathy. The more that we can spend time, you and I having this conversation, you have a new, just like that, the, the experience you had with the gentleman with the couch, you have a new empathy and understanding because you're like, oh, I never thought about that. And the more conversations like you and I are having right now, we can build a whole new level of empathy with a, people who probably weren't thinking about it. And the thing about disabilities is that anybody at any time can get a disability. And we say we're the most inclusive group of people because you can have a temporary, you can have a permanent, but we're always going to welcome you into the disability community. Yes, it's so important. And, you know, back to those couches, I can tell you that now, um, decades later, I would be challenged on those same couches. So what goes around comes around eventually, just like what you said. I mean, everyone at some point uh, may find themselves in the situation. And I love that we're um, bringing this conversation to the forefront. And I'm actually thinking you'd give the kind of directions I need because I could get lost in a circle. And if I asked you for directions, you might say, okay, you're going to go 32 steps up until the pavement slopes, and then you're going to hear barking dogs take a right there. <laughs> and your directions are probably something where I couldn't get lost. Um, but I, I just love that um, we are literally bringing this information to the forefront because there is this desire to belong to the point that we do mask our truth. And uh, what is happening with that dynamic? Yeah, I think what's now, what we're trying to do is again, breaking down that there is no normal, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that as we break down that, that kind of stigma of saying, you know, hiding that kind of hiding behind the mask that we're trying to break. Because, and that's a tough thing. That's a tough, but by sharing more of our stories and sharing, you know, that's really about it. Like it's all of a sudden, you know, having a platform to be able to share stories that other people can hear. Because that's all I wanted to hear. If I, you know, as I, like I mentioned, when I was first diagnosed, I just thought I was alone. But the more we can share what it means, like people with disabilities, it's not somebody who, what your, maybe your misconception of what it meant to be blind. But here I am, I'm a, I'm, I'm a CEO of an organization. I climb mountains. I play golf and I do all of these things while blind. And I think we can, we're changing the mindset of what it is. And 
that way people don't have to pretend to be someone else. They can be their, their whole self and goes back to that liberating feeling. They'll gain that and, you know, the more the more uh, confident you'll be. And that gets back to belonging. And I love in your book how you talk about the difference, a little spoiler here, but I think you'll be fine with it. You talk about the difference between using a cane versus a guide dog and how that not only feels, but how it's received and perceived by others. Yes. So, yeah, it's so funny when you talk about that, right? People don't understand people's perception of that cane versus a guide dog. People can relate to a guide dog. They can relate to the dog, maybe not the guide aspect of it. Yes. Dog. And they can, they can, you know, you relate to it. People can relate to it, but they can't relate to that cane. And, uh, and that's led to me creating a drip my cane and really a design competition to, to make the cane more, uh, you know, inviting. Because I believe art talks about my, you talked about my, in my bio, I'm part of the United Arts Council. And I realized that the arts is a very inclusive organization and our community, you know, art brings people together and trying to bring that art to the cane has been a way that we're trying to break down the stigma uh, between a cane and a dog. But uh, again, both things, it, it, it has a stigma, but again, things that we're trying to do is to break that stigma. And uh, you're right. The dog, people love the dogs, even though they're working. Yes. And and your hashtag drip my cane, which yeah. I loved. You <laughs> made you made canes cool. That's what you did. <laughs> right? Well, I hope so. You know, yeah. I don't remember an old TV show called Pimp My Ride on MTV. Yes. Oh yeah. my goodness, that's so funny. Inspiration <laughs> to uh, drip my cane. Because um, I wanted to first call it pimp my cane, but I, <laughs> pimp is no longer the cool word. So that's so funny. Yes. So. Well, okay. In your book, the statistics are so reinforcing of how important and very real this entire conversation is. I really appreciated that you included them throughout the many conversations that you have with readers. Yeah. You know. It was really important to, and that was actually something my wife suggested as I was, you know, towards the end of the book, because really it was about my story, but, you know, really trying to connect with everyone. People who who may not understand what it has to disability, but once you see the statistics and how that kind of, it, it ties in with the story, I think it really added some real depth to it and that people can understand how systemic this issue is. Oh, so much so. I, I really, I read every one of them. So I have to ask you, what's your next mile marker going to be? I mean, you're at uh, 30,000 and uh, still learning, growing and leaning into life. What's the next stop for John Samuel? Right now, I think one of the things we're trying to do is really kind of grow our workforce development program with Abler. And that's building up the next generation of employees. And I'm super excited that we just we just signed a contract with the state of North Carolina to create a workforce development program. And we have our first eight people in that cohort. And we've already uh, filled up our next cohort. We'll start in a couple months, which I'm super excited about. And my hope is that we can take this across the country. And uh, and I think that's going to be a lot more miles as we add up all those different states. So cool. Wow. Well, this is a um, continental road trip here. Um, amazing. <laughs> So is there anything else you'd like to share with listeners that we may have overlooked in our time together? I think we, we it was just such a great conversation. You know, I can just naturally want to smile because of just your just your 
your enthusiasm and I'm just so thankful to be here. I, I love people to go take a look at the book on, you can get it on Barnes and Nobles, Amazon. You can learn more at johngsamuel.com. But I'm just so thankful and I would just love anyone's, you know, feedback. And, and, and if you can share the book with others who may need that little bit of hope. And I'm just so thankful again for you and your audience uh, for the love that I've been receiving. Oh, you're very welcome. We have had the greatest time. And uh, yes, and if you want this book at your local um, book retailer, just ask them to get the book there uh, as well. And so um, that is um, something that I think everybody, everybody should read the book. This isn't a book for um, a certain individual. Uh, don't ask a blind guy for directions. It's um, way too cool. And um, a 30,000 mile journey for love, confidence, and a sense of belonging. You can visit him at www.johngsamuel.com. Applause and uh, well done. Two thumbs up. Um, just great job on this. And we can't have the hour end without knowing how you age gratefully. I think how I age gratefully is by paying it forward. I've just had so many wonderful people throughout my life and have helped me. And me and provide that love and I'm trying to pay it forward every day as I move forward and help provide that guidance and just like Ed Summers helped me I'm trying to open up those doors for the next generation of of, uh, of workforce who may have disabilities so I'm super excited Oh, so awesome. We are so proud of the work that you're doing and all of the gems that you're bringing to the world. And the education is so important. So I'm just so glad that your platform um, is awakening people to information they may not have thought about previously. And uh, now, you know, it's something that can be something that everyone is mindful of. And so I just, uh, we cherish the work that you're doing and wish you continued success. Thank you so much, Holly. You're very welcome. You've been listening to Aging Gratefully, and I'm your host, gerontologist Holly Kelly. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you've enjoyed our message, I invite you to subscribe and share it with others. May you remember to never act your age and that age is just a number. And may you enjoy and embrace the coming week in the spirit of gratitude. Until we meet again, here's to living your best life now. I used to think time was my enemy My future wasn't looking good So worried about the things I couldn't see I couldn't see the things I could I was aging fearfully Worrying my life away When all along I should have been Thankful for every day finally made a friend of time now you could say that i'm aging gratefully mm, aging gratefully Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.